The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Good evening, Rick. Would you believe it's, it's Dr. Doom? What's on your evil mind? Oh, you insulting tongue and mock my words well. How about this rumor that you are really hired, Mr. Stark? And welcome to another exciting episode of the Click Nation's Comic Book Chronicles. And I am your host for tonight because I forgot to ask one of these fine gentlemen if they wanted to do it. Uh, Roddy Cat, you can find me at Roddy Cat on Twitter. You can also find me at News Need on Twitter. And to speed this long, I'm just I'm gonna say just gonna say the rest of the spiel so we can just you know pause when it pause. Um, okay. CB caps on Instagram. I've been putting a lot of stuff up there lately, so go check it out. News news need Reddit. Reddit is back up. It's great. It's not toxic. <laughs> it's awesome. Also with me tonight is PCN underscore dirt from PC underscore dirt uh, PC pop culture network and pop culture net on Twitter. Hey. Hi everybody! Yeah, no, I shouldn't say Hi, everybody! <laughs> and also, I need comics.com, part of ipopculturenetwork.com. You got anything else you're starting up or or you got going on? Oh, I've I've got my fingers in a million pies, but we'll leave that for another day. I, nice. I, I know where you. I know the feeling. And also with us tonight, the man behind the sound boards, our man in legal, Mister Agent Underscore Seventy. What's up, everybody? <laughs> yes, what? Wait, what? Yeah, I know, right? He's been doing what? that for this for for the last couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> he gets a cut to the custom intro, and everybody else gets the, the regular one. You see how this goes? That when you're the sound effects guy, I guess <laughs> you, you can do that. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Totally. Also, uh, Agent Underscore Seventy on Instagram. You can check him out there. I don't know if you got anything else going on, or are you starting up. Uh, that's okay. it. Okay. Well, for tonight. Now. Yeah, for now we're going. We're getting under some stuff. Um, but tonight we are going to start off as we do every night by saying the podcast can be found. Uh, you thought I was going to skip it, didn't you? On the CSPN uh, podcast network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. There you go. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Google Play and Apple Podcasts, aka iTunes. Uh, you can also find us on the sound, uh, the Coastal Desert SoundCloud link. And of course, as always, you can go to shop.cspn.us and get some swag merch. What in the world was that? Oh, sorry, my dad's. No, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was like, "What in the world?" <laughs> yeah, but anyway. Shop.cspn.us merch for this show and all the other shows on the on the network. Go check us out. Get some stuff. It's great. And as we do every week about this time, we are going to go with the comic books of the week. And I believe we said we were going to start off with Avengers number six. These jokers have finally assembled. Pretty like, much. Properly. And my understanding is that this is like the... Uh, the, the assembly of the main team, and there's going to be a rotating cast member. Um, 
And my understanding is that, spoiler alert, mild, mild spoiler alert, it's been spoiled much earlier on, that uh, Doctor Strange is the uh, team a team member that's going to be rotating out mm-hmm. and someone else is going to be rotating in. Which, given what we said, like around the first couple of issues with Doctor Strange and presumably T'Challa being out in space, I'm not necessarily saying that that has anything to do with that. You know, it kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. But also, they were kind of seemed like they were... Um, they were mentioning a certain weapon of a certain other ex-Avenger that I'm kind of curious is going to come back into the fold. Right. So um, basically, this is the last issue of this opening arc that involves uh, the Celestials, the prime, what is it? The, 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 the Alpha final Celestial. Host. Final host. Prime Celestials. and Yeah, the final host of the, the tackles. And the, the, right. Yeah, yeah. They started all this mess. Right, and there's a and, and they're Earth. infected by this uh, brood-like, uh, uh, you know, bug-like uh, uh, race of uh, I forget what they're called, but um, you know, they're basically the ones who are infecting the celestials and and and, and uh, causing them to uh, die off. And uh, there's a uh, you know kind of a neat twist that Aaron puts to that, um, you know, why why the Earth is as uh, special as it is in the grand scheme of things in the universe. Celestials are have a disease, and Earth is the cure. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. But, I mean, that's essentially it. That's yeah. the, that's the that's the twist in a nutshell. Pretty much. And also, like I think I said, this last issue is like, okay, they blew this arc up kind of you know epically. Um, like, where on Earth are they going to go? Like, yeah, they still have the 1 million BC stuff still, you know, they're still going to be fleshing out here and there, it looks like. But I'm like, how? where are they going to go from here? Yeah, the next issue uh, features the first Ghost Rider on his flaming woolly mammoth. Yes. Which, you know, like, I, I really haven't been enjoying this story a whole lot, and I was thinking I may, you know, drop this, but... The cover of a Ghost Rider on a flaming woolly mammoth may be just enough to keep me for one more issue. <laughs> even you know if, what I mean? Yeah. Like that's just enough of a gimmick to make. Even me if it is McGinnis, right? Fair enough. That, right. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a big fan of this artwork either. Listen, I, you know, I, I've always, I've never been that high on McGinnis's work. You know, it definitely has its pros and cons. But in this story, where Aaron is just going to town with. You know what you're, you know, like with some of the, the the blurbs in this, where they're describing what's going on in the universe at, and how the universe is like shuddering at the fact that the celestials are about, or the dark celestials are about to win and beat the Avengers, but it's all in the words. It's not in the pictures. It's mm-hmm. not being depicted on the page because you get a one panel of. Uh, uh, the very first page, one panel of the man thing, but the first blurb is on the moon, the lonely cosmic watcher known as the unseen strain, strains right. against his unbearable chains, his eye widening. Where is that on the page, so, Ed McGinnis? So obviously that feels like the, all they're trying to do is like, hey, the, the people they actually pictured are going to play a part at some point. That's why yeah. Well, I mean, that, that also could be Aaron's writing, um, you know, because he may be. say panel one, panel two, panel three, panel four. Quite possibly, we don't. He writes it out, but but it does that right. in all the panels. So you've got the Watcher, um, and then you've got Man Thing, and they only show Man Thing. And then the mm-hmm. next one it has Starbrand, mm-hmm. um, and the Great Lord of the Shi'ar Imperium, and it only shows, 
Yeah. You know, the the right. Shi'ar. Um, we have Jean Grey and we've got uh, Iron Fist. It only shows Iron Fist. We've got Wakanda. We've got Asgard and it only shows Asgard. I mean, it, it just like you you can blame part of that on McGinnis, you know, drawing these big chunky figures and whatever with the way he does. But part of that's also the writing from Aaron on this where it's like, why? Why isn't this an eight-panel page? Why is it a four-panel page? Why is he writing it this way? Because I really don't think Aaron's the type of writer that just like, here's some dialogue, figure out how to put it together on a page. Right. You know, uh, the, the scripts are panel one, panel two, panel three. Possibly. Four. And matter of fact, yeah, we can go so far as to say that those, the things they link together in those panels are probably going to be brought up together. Because we have already seen, in a sense, Wakanda and Asgard for, because T'Challa went to, you know, to Odin in the first place. I still, I you know, but, it's, it's no. just my opinion that that I think it's the layouts that uh, that McGinnis is choosing to put on the page that just totally destroys some of the storytelling in this. I mean, yeah, yeah, like we said earlier, like, I mean, the art is definitely distracting in a lot of cases, and I feel like I don't know too much about McGinnis and his art as as far as I remember, but I feel like <laughs> he, he usually does these big chunky characters, and it's you know they did. Uh, Storyline several years ago was uh, Batman, Superman, mm. and so it was Batman, Superman, Captain Adam, Amanda Waller, mm. you know, all of these big body types. Right, and everyone was walking around like they were flexing. So right, almost, right. So, so almost, it's like, yeah, every pose was like out of a muscle magazine. Or so like, almost life feels like. sort of thing. On, well, I'm just standing here. I don't know what you're talking about. Type of thing. pythons, exactly. Well, but, so, uh, so that kind of lends it itself to what I was thinking. It just doesn't then. work for, like, you know, if you have Iron Man in his Hulkbuster armor, then great. You know, the celestial big robots, it works. But with Ghost Rider, it doesn't really work. And with Thor, it doesn't really work. And, you know, with Captain America, you know, drawn like he's Brock Lesnar, it just doesn't work. So, yeah, like I said, I'm I'm not I, – I was I was this close to being like, I'm done. That's it. I'm dropping it. But then I saw the big flaming woolly <laughs> mammoth. So. I got to at least go one more month, see if it's just crazy enough to keep me on for yeah. a little while longer. Yeah, like maybe McGinnis' art would probably be better served on street level, street level folks, or back in the nineties with Liefeld. I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. Like I said, he it has its ups and downs because you can definitely see him showing some restraint, some sure. restraint when he's drawing Doctor Strange. You know, because Doctor Strange is like a lot more like slender and and obviously not you know not jacked to yeah, the limit. Weird. But that's really the extent of the restraint he shows. But they still have goofy faces. Like, if you look at Doctor Strange a lot of times, he just has these weird, goofy, like, his his eyes are parallelograms. It's just really weird the way he's drawn in a lot of these no, I, I agree. Yeah. And uh, that aside, though, there was, there was also weird... Maybe it wasn't the case. It seemed like a weird movie tie-in to the first Avengers in a couple different ways, especially with the Loki part. Where and actually, instead of getting bopped around by Hulk, he gets squashed out like Monty <laughs> Python style, oh, yeah. and then just caught it back. I don't know. Yeah, that probably was um. Yeah, that probably was intentional. So, but, all right. But yeah, but that being said, this 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 was the end of this arc, and we'll see where it goes from here. Um, you guys want to bring up? Actually, here's a curiosity. Bring up a uh, Punisher. No. Sure. Punisher was great. I like this issue. <laughs> I like this a lot. All right. There I, we go. Thanks for, thanks for playing. <laughs> what's funny is that I like the art a lot, except for the artist's name is Sidransky, I think. And it, there's a couple of shots of the Punisher himself that I wasn't that happy with. But I thought overall the art was really good. And the story by Ro- Matt, Matt Rosenberg was really good. 
Yeah, the the art it, it definitely has like a a darker, gritty uh, feel to it. Uses a lot of like kind of sketchy lines and, and a lot of kinetic energy going on, especially with all the explosions. And I loved like one of the things I love it in when they do it in some of these Punisher books is like the explosions, and you just see the guy's face like getting ripped off, and you know someone getting shot in the head, and it's just like a close up of the you know, the head exploding and like all of this really cool, gory, bloody stuff that you put in there when a guy is, you know, shooting rocket launchers at trucks and, you know, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, like I, I, they just, you know, like rebooted Punisher, redid Punisher, and then they redid him again, and then they redid him again, and then they went to the legacy numbering and they gave him Iron Man armor, and then they finished that and they rebooted again with another number one, and it's like, come on. And I think but at least they kept the same Knights. writer. So Rosenberg stayed on from the last run to this new number one. So he's still writing, uh, which made me really happy. And, you know, I'm, I'm reading this and I'm thinking about you know, the fact that we had Black Widow and we had Winter Soldier uh, appear at the end of the last run. And they, you know, briefly appear in this one as well. And it looks like they're going to be continuing to tie in. Mm-hmm. So because of that and because you guys talk so highly about it, I did actually go out and I grabbed the uh, Tales of Suspense uh, miniseries. Nice. Uh, which, which is a Rosenberg yes, uh, story. Rosenberg so, um, you know, I'm thinking – that Rosenberg may be the new Nathan Edmondson. If you remember for a while, he was Deathlock and Black Widow and Punisher. Um, and so, you know, Rosenberg may now be carving out that little corner of the Marvel universe. And I'm, I'm enjoying what he's doing. These are a lot of fun. Yeah. Sure. Which I like this. Uh, you know, like I said, just, the, you know, my biggest problem was that, you know, there would be like a couple of pages of like great money shots of Punisher's, you know, like face, like something that's like a splash page. And I was just disappointed in how he was rendered. But at the same time, there's a great elevator scene in this book (laughs) where it's like the raid or like a John Wick type thing or, you know, like straight out of a movie set where, you know, it's just like ding, you know, like uh, uh, there's another uh, 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 confrontation that, uh, that, that Frank has. And then we go down to the next floor, ding, and something else happens. And it's just really well done. And there's like a pile of guns and body parts on the floor around him that just keeps growing as he goes floor to floor. Right. I thought that yeah. was. So I was going to bring. Yeah. Up- so, so I, well, and I think part of why I liked it so much is because I was so skeptical about another reboot, another number one. Like in the last 10 years, you know, we've gone through like Frankencastle and, and Space Punisher and, you know, all of this, you know, stuff again and again and again over and over so another number one, it's like, come on. But it, it really does flow from the other series. And you can kind of say it makes sense because the last story was the the whole um, War Machine armor. Right. And with that being over, this you know, it does put them in a completely different position. So that storyline, while it's connected, it feels like it's different. So they're kind of treating it more like a bunch of mini series mm-hmm. that go together, even though it's the same writer, it all flows together. It'll read as one long story, um, but they're, but chopping it up actually kind of makes sense. In the way Agreed. What did you think of the story itself? Just very quickly. Uh, you, I mean, just trying to get, okay. Like Baron Zemo. Uh, I, I love the way that he was drawn. Mm-hmm. I love the way that he was depicted in this. Like he really, uh, the, the whole, um, Mandarin 
being like the mouthpiece for this like terrorist nation that's trying to you know come clean. Oh, yeah, exactly. Become legitimized. Yes, right. We could get that fresh start. Um, so I like the idea that it, it, you know, usually you think of Frank Castle as this guy who's fighting drug dealers and pimps and whatever, and they've expanded that story a little bit more because I mean it, it was a little you know when he had the armor on it, it, it got big. It, it got you know like Iron Man movie. Because obviously he has this giant suit of armor. They have to shrink it back down, but you really don't want him going back to just shooting crack dealers. Like it needs, still needs to have some sort of big, you know, gripping story to it. And so this, uh, I, I felt it takes kind of a like Jason Bourne, um, you know, type of idea to it where you've got more of a, like I don't want to call him just like an assassin for hire, but he is more of that you know, sniper assassin type intrigue. And especially if they start folding in Black Panther and Winter Soldier, you know, into this mix. And of course, Nick Fury is always going to be on the fringes trying to fight in. Then it, it makes sense to kind of go for that political thriller uh, type bend to it instead of it just being him, you know, versus all crime right. in New York City. I definitely agree that that's, you know, I like this direction. You know, it's definitely much more of, you know, there's more of an international scope to this it's uh it's not street level but it's still ground level mm-hmm. okay so we want to talk about the the big thing that happened or the quote unquote big thing that happened in this book or no oh the spoiler the the, the spoiler yeah. thing. yeah all right well i'll ring the bell well it appears that uh the mandarin has bit the big one yes yeah, and that's a key. It appears, right? Because you know it's Marvel, it's comics. Uh, unless your name's Uncle Ben, you're not staying dead. Pretty much. Or we Bill used to Foster. include uh, Bucky in that, but that's long over with. Or Bill Foster. But yeah, so that was the big thing out of that one. Whether it, it is going to stick or this is just a red herring or something, we don't know. But. Uh, yeah, that was that. I'm I'm curious about this book because it's because it's Rosenberg, so I don't know. And I I was just looking to see if he was a part of that Marvel Knights thing, and apparently he is. So with what you guys are saying, kind of can kind of still go in with this with all of that. So cool. Uh, if we're done with that one, anybody want to throw out something? Don, I got something. Good. Okay. Well, then I will throw out. Um, uh, me and Dave read this. Uh, Black Panther number three. Go ahead and get that one. Okay, so where is this going? Please help me. <laughs> what is going on with this? We're three issues in, and we're just as confused as ever. So, a little context, and I don't, I don't I'll keep it brief. So, to, 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 well, there is a person that is the protagonist of the story that is we think is T'Challa. They've basically set it up like he. He's out in space. We do know from this issue that T'Challa what is that the Black Panther legacy is there, but we don't know if this is a now thing or if this is something set in the future or whatever the case may be. And this is somebody calling themselves T'Challa, but they don't have their memories, and we don't know whether this is the actual T'Challa or it's some person, some person with you know that could be the case where it could be some some person, but it's you know what they gave themselves the name of T'Challa something. But they're looking for his memories now as of this book, and he's out in space. And at this point, we don't have any reason to believe that it's not the actual T'Challa. But at the same time, as uh, Agent Sony said, yeah, we don't know where this is going because it's it's 
it kind of splits the difference. Like, okay, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a peek over here a little bit, and then I'm gonna peek over here a little bit. Then it just kind of goes into story where it's like, hey, it's just space kind of Star Wars or this or type of situation going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I, uh, I don't know. I feel like he's it might be setting up for a swerve, but at the same time, I don't know why. Because there's no real reason to do that. Right. Like I said, we're three issues in, and I would really appreciate at least... I, I understand that, that Coates has given us clues as to what's really going on here. Yes. But I would appreciate a little bit more at this point in, you know, like the opening arc. Right. And to me, the clues are suggesting that this might not be who we who we feel it is. Right. And, and ultimately, you know, there's only so much goodwill he can spend on this before he starts losing interest in some of the readers. Yeah. Uh, it is worth noting that at the end of this issue, he brings back a potential person that's in, well, we don't know this for certain, but it seems like there was a person that's been, that was a uh, slightly prominent in the last run of the book that is here as an antagonist. So I don't know. That's weird. But then again, if you've read the last couple, three issues and you would say, well, some things aren't as they seem to be in cases, especially with the people who he is uh, allied with, allied with. So I don't know. Like, it, what's that? What were you going to say? No, no, I'm just saying, you know, I agree. And, you know, like I, I, I don't want to beat a dead horse. I just, you know, I, I kind of wish we were moving in a, in a real direction with the story right now. I mean, we are, but, I, I get what you're saying because yeah, coach kind of tends to it's like it'll start off this way and then it'll pick up a little, you know, as the story progresses. But it might, and it might be too late for some people to kind of stay uh, stay on with that. Right. I mean, I'll use the Avengers that we the Avengers book that we just discussed as an example. What was that issue? Seven. Six. Six or six. Yeah. It was six, right? Mm-hmm. So by issue three, we kind of had an idea of what was going on. It just took them forever because McGinnis draws awful. Right. And, you know, in this, you know, I rather like the art. It's Acuna, right? Acuna? Uh, yes. Da- uh, Daniel Acuna. Acuna. Right. I-, I rather like the art. I think it's expressive. I, I like the coloring. I like the, 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 the co- you know, the, the, the contrast in the art. But I honestly can't figure out where the story is going. So maybe that's a good thing. Maybe, you know, where, like you said, maybe there is a swerve built in in the next issue that's going to take us through i don't know how long this opening arc is but maybe that's going to take us through to the final you know uh part of this you know opening story mm. and i feel like the art in this is speaking of is kind of part of the reason why i'm thinking it might be a swerve as opposed mm-hmm. to you know what we already kind of already know but who's to say well you know we'll see what we won't see in the coming months um all right Dirt, you want to throw something out? You seem to have something. Sure. Uh, let's jump to Action Comics 1002. All right. Okay. Uh, this is the uh, continuing saga of Bendis taking over the Superman books. I will say that this is much better than the Superman 2 that we got, what, last week or two weeks ago? Whenever it was. Oh, that was all. They're all talking. Yeah. Oh, that was awful. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Talky, talky. So at least some stuff is happening in this. Um, There are some problems with the story on a logical level. 
um, like a reporter writes a story and it's the headline on the front page. And somehow Perry White, the editor in chief, didn't see the headline, didn't vet the story, had no idea it was going to be on the front page of his newspaper. How does that work? Um, but, you know, some of those like small issues aside, um, it looks like Bendis is at least going back to that idea of juggling the characters at the Daily Planet and all the stuff going on in Metropolis. So it's much more of a ensemble book. Um, as opposed to just being Superman, Lois, and Jonathan, um, you know, which is what it has been for you know a long time, and, and even before Jonathan and Lois were back, it was basically Superman and Wonder Woman or Superman and Lois. It really didn't expand much beyond that. So he's going back to adding in all of those characters back to the Daily Planet, and you know, showing a lot of that day to day, you know, uh, alter ego stuff uh, going on, which is interesting. So at least there's some interesting stuff going on. So. Story-wise, the overall story I think is is you know still interesting in this, even though some of the little details in there are, are kind of an issue. Um, but yeah, and also at least uh, DC puts the digital code in this one, so you can still redeem it uh, on Comicsology and get your digital copy, uh, as opposed to a lot of their other books that they're yanking them out of because they're suddenly afraid of digital copies now. I right, why. I thought they yanked them out of all of them. So, um, but yeah, again, much better than what's going on in Superman. And I don't know if the fact that this is action and that's Superman, maybe he's treating it differently as far as the storytelling goes. Um, and you do still feel like there's connected plots in between the two books, even though they might not necessarily be continuing from one to the other, but they still feel related. Um, so that's good. Um, so you, you may not. I'm I'm thinking it's probably done so that if you're a reader that just picks up Superman, you can still follow everything. You're not missing right. key stuff for your particular story by not reading action and vice versa. Um, but uh, yeah, so after that horrible Superman two, at least I'm I'm kind of back on that 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 positive train. We'll see what okay. happens in Superman three. Uh, but if Superman three is terrible again, then I don't know. I may just have to jump off a bridge or something. Hmm. Well, oh, jeez. I was going <laughs> to say, well, it's probably good. Like I said, it's probably good that they have them both different because why, if they're going to be the same, why have two books? I mean, outside of the right. Just- well, and that's like with, with Batman and Detective. Right. Detective has been the team book with the Bat family, and then Batman was you know focused more on just him. So action, you know, dealing a lot more with the 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 daily life of Metropolis, whereas Superman, although, but like I said, that last one was just not good. <laughs> Cool, cool. Uh, eight to seventy. Got something? Uh, let's see. I don't think I have anything else that you guys read. Did you not read Daredevil? Oh, I did read Daredevil. Yes, we can talk about Daredevil. Okay. All right. So, Mike Murdoch is back, and spoiler alert: it's an inhuman thing. And I like, I like uh, that. Uh, you know, that sort of got really buried. That lead got really buried in the story, and I was like, "Oh, that's what happened." Well, yeah, I love the fact that it makes sense, right? Like, because at first you're like, "Okay, well, what for?" Oh, wait, uh, there's there's one thing first. I think from the get go, that this book does an incredible job of giving you the backstory of Mike Murdoch, but doing so while stuff is currently happening, instead of doing the two pages of him swinging across rooftops trying to get somewhere and having this inner monologue where he goes through his entire history. Mm -hmm. So it's like, as dialogue is being said in the scene, then he relates it back to a memory of something. And that kind of helps to 
lay it out as opposed to just being like, here's a wall of text. This is what happened so you can get caught up. Um, and I thought that fight was a lot of fun, too, especially with, was it Overdrive? Uh, villain? <laughs> right. So um, they're in the bar with no name, and these, like, really B and C list villains come in and start, you know, start a fight because they're like, Daredevil's in the bar with no name. Let's kill him. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's just so but, but as far as you know the inhuman stuff goes it makes sense like the reason why the inhumans are involved makes sense because he asked the detective to help him figure out what's going on with uh, kingpin right. so the inhumans being involved in the story makes sense and then the power that's used to create this doppelganger makes sense within the realm of the inhumans powers sure so even though it feels like it comes way out of left field, the, the you know you had breadcrumbs there that you could kind of look back and be like, oh okay, all right, so now it makes sense on how we got to this point. Absolutely. I so really want to. Oh, good question. No, oh, good. Um, so for those for those sorry, but for those who don't read Daredevil, who is Mike Murdoch? Well, we could spoil the whole thing. Um, <laughs> I mean, because ultimately, ultimately, uh, Mike Murdoch is a doppelganger that uh, Matt Murdoch made up because uh, at some point in the in the past, uh, his uh, superhero alter ego um, may have been found out by, you know, those closest to him. And he basically made up another uh, another a fake twin brother. Yeah, so he made a fake twin brother who he could claim was actually Daredevil in order to take the heat away from him, even though he was playing both himself and the twin brother. But then being the twin brother allowed him to do things and act in certain ways that Matt Murdock couldn't do. Um, but then, of course, he had to eventually kill off the twin brother. Like, it's one of the Days of Our Lives, General <laughs> Hospital, soap opera uh, thing that comes around and around where after a while you're like, okay, this is pretty ludicrous, and ridiculous. But the fact that they dug out this old storyline and made something fun out of it here in 2018 was, I think, another reason why I enjoyed it. Hmm. I'm almost sorry I asked, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in all honesty, uh, exact, you know, it, uh, just as how PCN underscore dirt described it. If you read this, you don't really need to know who Mike Murdoch was because it's just, it's, it's, it's explained in very short order. So sure. it's not too difficult at all. Well, yeah, but I mean, that was just asking in the context right. of this um, conversation. So it's not, it's not difficult to pick up. And, and as we were saying earlier, the, the, the genesis of this version of Mike Murdoch it just made sense. It was just, you know, it was just kind of like a big surprise that was buried right in the middle of the book. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. So I'm enjoying this series and I, I actually haven't read a lot of daredevil in the last few years. Some of the stuff got so entangled after, uh, what was the one shadow Shadowland. shadow Shadowland. Yeah. After Shadowland, I kind of got fed up with it and stopped reading it for a while. So this, this storyline has been a lot of fun. Sure. I think I think Charles Soul this was always the book that Soul was 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 gunning for. You know, like he had other books, but uh, he I you know, it's you know, the point is I think he always wanted to write Daredevil, so Well the lawyer wanted to write the lawyer. Exactly. So he he really got a chance to, you know, to uh to uh kind of uh, spread his wings on this right now. It's doing pretty good on Vader also, but I didn't have a chance to read that this week. Um all right, cool. Well, we'll go with that. Uh, I'm going to throw out this one book, and I guess this is probably the biggest one for me. Uh, West Coast Avengers number one. Okay. 
Uh, I don't know if either of you f- uh, guys plan on reading this or not. I do. Okay, well, one yes, one no. Gotcha. So, I mean, you if the new cycle has kind of been kind of spoiled the, the thing that happened. Well, the one of the things that happened in it. But all I will say first off is I've already voiced my interpretations with not with the book itself, but with a couple of the, with a couple of characters that's going to be on the team. That would be uh, Quentin Quine and Deadpool, uh, Gwenpool, because I don't like neither one of those characters. But uh, in the context of, context of why they're together, which I'm slightly not crazy about, because it kind of has shades of new warriors. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not crazy about that part either, but we'll see where that goes. That said, though, this book was a lot of fun. Uh, I, I say in my notes, this uh, the team got put together in the most Hawkeye, you know, or, or also Deadpool two ish of ways. Um, there's also there's like references galore, like uh, a classic um, Saturday Night Live skit, or at least classic to me anyway, because I love that skit. Gets brought up on the very first page, and that's which ends up being the thing that they that brings the team mostly together, or at least for them starting to get the team together. And for some strange reason, well, that's not even strange. For some strange reason, Kate's the one to lead and, and Clint's all right with this because, in fact, he's kind of hyping it up. They're doing this uh, kind of, I guess, the office style. Uh, if I guess that would be the one to, to say the office style, uh, like, you know, talking to the camera type thing in between uh, every other page kind of situation because the, you know they're getting the team together and they don't have money. So they so they have to do this thing to get money. Thanks to Quentin choir. And I, his reason for it end up being clear as to why he's doing it. And not necessarily because of the team, because it's to help Quentin choir as he tends to do. But, um, yeah, like I said, the, the, the books ends up being a lot of fun. There is a classic West coast Avengers, uh, original team member that shows up in a, in a different light. Uh, and a different height at that. Um, but uh, also, we get introduced to another... Um, I'm going to go ahead and spoil this. We get introduced to another version of MODOK. Or a different version of a MODOK at the end of this book. Probably the dumbest one yet. But then again, there's been some dumb MODOK um, <laughs> characters. so Or MODOK type characters. But like I said... Uh, I'm, I'm as a fan of the West Coast Avengers. I felt compelled to to um to check this book out, and I. Oh my god! Yeah, you must have got to it. So, yeah, that's a dirt bag right there. If I've ever seen one, but um, but yeah, like I said, I I felt compelled to to give this a try, and I'm gonna keep up with it. Um for a little bit just to see where it goes. I don't know if they're going to throw any other um, old West Coast Avengers or anything like that kind of situation in, but the way they're playing it so far has got me on the hook for a little bit at least. Like I said, you know, Quint Choir and Quinn Bull aside, you know, I can slightly overlook that a little bit. But but at the same you time... Know, with their inclusion, you know this is always going to be a somewhat tongue-in-cheek type but, but but what brings to, to that point? Because if you think about it, West Coast Avengers originally was already that. Like this is an oddball bunch of uh, you know, some would argue second and third string uh, Avengers together on a team sitting on the West Coast. You know, you know, 
taking care of plays. I was going to say that's that's all in, well, maybe not in retrospect, because if you look back on it now, it's like, well, Iron Man was there. You know? True, but, well, yes, but it was not Tony at first. Um, and trust me, I love me over Rhodey, so you know, I, I say that not lightly. But but it, even then, like I said, it was you know, it was Rhodey in the beginning, and then Tony kind of came back on the team because right. he was, you know. But still, you know. That the, the the majority of us still is kind of there. Alrighty, so I enjoyed it. Oh, it? Hey, so um, I think, sounds like we're about to get into rapid fire. Yeah, so. I think we can probably spin it up unless one of y'all got something. Uh, I'll spin it up. One moment. All right. All right. Um, I guess I'll wrap up uh, the few books that I have remaining. Amazing Spider-Man number four. Um, this is kind of like, a, you know, I, I was referencing Flowers for Algernon, uh, you know, ish story. Um, it's really more of a two halves are weaker than the whole type story. And that's where, um, you know, this this story is kind of going in a predictable direction. Um, it's got a lot of cool uh, throwbacks, though. Uh, Tri-Sentinel is involved in this. So anyone who was around for Acts of Vengeance back in the day um, with the Tri-Sentinel, um, <laughs> I see Fizian underscore Dirt nodding in, dis- in, in disgust, possible disbelief, and Roddy Cat uh, cheering. You know um, they're going to do it again but- at some point. You know they are. <laughs> so they brought that back. That was pretty cool. And, um, and, last, uh, and lastly, um, this week's Hunt for Wolverine book was uh, Mystery of Madripoor number four. Um, spoiler alert, uh, Betsy Braddock is back in her British body in this, but also, um, spoiler alert, um, Quanon, the, uh, the Asian half of, uh, uh, Psylocke, uh, may be back as well. So let's see where this leads. You know, this is all going to be jumping off. Uh, these are going to be jump off points for, um, the X, the Xbox post, uh, return of Wolverine. And that's it for me. Okay. Um, All righty, then I'll jump in here. We've got Flash number 53 this week. Uh, we got Commander Cold. We finally get his backstory and find out how he became uh, this special law enforcement agent of the future. Um, we also have uh, the Flash is now dealing with uh, the Strength Force. Um, as he's always been a part of the speed force, the strength force has now emerged and taken over the trickster. So now he's got the ability to get really big and really strong, uh, which can cause its own problems. And it leads to a confrontation here at the end uh, where it looks like uh, in order to save the trickster from dying from the strength force, Slash may have to take it on to himself, but he may have getting killed in one of two different ways with the way this book ends. So it was kind of interesting. We'll see where that's going. But it's also one of those where there's a lot of stuff happening in the background and a lot of small plot points that are heading all over the place in the future. So they're really doing a lot to build up a lot of subplots that that's really good when you read this stuff and you see stuff play out over months and months and months. All right. Uh, we got Venom number five, hmm. which uh, Venom gets some new powers. Um, Venom 
we found out some more about the history of Venom, where he came from, what his alien race is like, um, how they can all congeal together and work as one like unified hive mind. Um, but then they find out that there's like this dark Lord God thing over them uh, who's trying to control them. And so in order to fight back uh, the Venom symbiote that, um, that, he, that Eddie Brock has – it's, it almost gets pulled in, but then it breaks out. And when it breaks out, it has its personality back. It can talk like a normal person. It can reason like a normal living being. Um, and it also has the ability to do a whole bunch of new things like sprout wings and venom can fly. So, <laughs> but it, it, it plays off like it looks like the venom symbiote creatures are more like Odo from Deep Space Nine. They've just been thinking stuck that. in like this brainless... Ah! This brainless uh, haze, you know, for so long they've been disconnected from the source. Mm-hmm. So, oh my God, taking it way back to DS Nine. Well, when you say, well, when you say, I mean, hey, we we take every opportunity to bring up DS Nine on this show if we, if we can. But yeah, yeah, when you were saying it was that, the last like, good Star Trek, so I mean, you know, you uh, gotta. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah. All right, uh, we got Silencer number eight. And I'm I'm still reading this. This is one that's yeah, gone from yeah yeah. It's it was a series that I tried all of the new ones, you know, when they launched, and, and a couple of them I've dropped. The unexpected was terrible. Mortal Men was terrible. Um, but Silencer is one that's gone from the hey, it's in my pile. I'll read it Saturday Sunday when I eventually get to it. To hey, I just got Silencer. I need to read this now. Like this is a Tuesday night. Uh, Wednesday morning book for me. So nice. uh, I really enjoy what's been going on in the story. It's uh, basically Punisher as a housewife, which more or less has been done before in the past, um, you know, different writers and different novelizations and movies and whatever. Um, but it's a lot of fun to see how they balance everything, how they play everything out. And it ties into the Batman universe. She's taking on Tala Al Ghul and Leviathan. Um, so it's neat to see some of the other corners of the DC universe get a light shined upon them. Um, and there's a war going on within Leviathan for who's going to you know, maintain control. So we've seen the technological side of Leviathan. Now the magical side is starting to sprout forth, and you're seeing this war between these villains. So it's a lot of fun to see all that stuff. My final thing, though, this is fantastic. Bram Stoker's Dracula. If you remember, this was a Topps comic uh, movie Topps adaptation. Topps comic. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> And uh, this was one of the big breakouts for Mike Mignola. Uh, this is what actually led to him eventually getting Hellboy. Um, and I've I always loved this, even though the movie itself, you know, you could kind of give or take in, in certain situations. I love the artwork. Um, and this book, what they did is they actually printed the black and white line artwork. Um, so it's great to see the original, um, you know, non-colored artwork. Although... I kind of wonder, you look at it, and the artwork isn't exactly clean, crisp black lines. So either it's an old scan that they blew up to oversize for this book, mm-hmm. or they took the colored pages and tried to wipe the color out. Um, but either way, the, the line art isn't quite as clean and crisp as you would think it would be um, in this printing. So I'm not sure exactly why, but some of this artwork is just so gorgeous. But they even... Um, Got a hold of the uh, anchor, uh, Nyberg. Is it Bill? Bill Nyberg, I think. Um, and he had scans of some of the original penciled pages before he did the inking. Um, so you can go and see the original pencils 
Um, and the lettering and even some of the lettering changed between pencils and print. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see some of the differences in here to see that artwork. And then on top of that, they even have some pages in the back where it's the original artwork that was used in the covers and it's a photo uh, copy. So you can see all the blue line artwork, all of the notes that are in the margins. You can see that he actually used some old DC pages <laughs> and he put white tape over the DC logo and whited out the DC name on there and was reusing uh, these old uh, pages, these old pieces of Bristol board. Um, but it's just really interesting to look at, you know, when you can see the blue line artwork in the background of some of these art pages, you can tell like what's Sharpie and what's a you know black ink brush uh, filling in some of this stuff. It's just so neat uh, to see those notes in the margins and uh, all of the other stuff in the pages. So um, this is definitely like if I can choose this as my click of the week uh, as this thing, this is definitely it because this is one of those things where. You know, I could just spend hours just going through and just staring at the artwork on some of these pages. Um, and especially with the color pulled out, you just get to see the, the pure line work uh, on some of this stuff. It's just so fantastic to see. So, yeah, this is definitely it's, – it's a little pricey. It's, it's uh, going to put you back 30 bones to get this hardcover. But uh, it is a nice quality hardcover book. Nice sheen to it. So I definitely recommend it if you're a fan of Mignola's artwork. Oh, and I knocked on the books. Now my dog thinks someone's at the door. <laughs> oh, now he's, no. Now he's barking. Gotcha. All right. Anyway, that's that's going to do it for me with the rest of my books this week. Okay. I was about to say, I will go ahead and say that there's nothing stopping you from making that a click if you really wanted to. But, hey, that's, that's on you. Then um, I want to. So that's my click. Okay. Well, there you go. Simple. Um, and actually, I, for some strange reason, I thought you were going to go to another one. But... <laughs> that said, while I'm doing this, I will get to my last few really quickly. Yep. Oh yeah, I forgot I read that one. By yeah. The way. Okay. Yeah. But, but it's all right. No big deal. Okay. Well, let's still bring it up if you want to. Um. Well. Okay. Fine. You're gonna push me into it. I'll do it. Everyone's favorite book. I know this is Agent Seventy has been has been waiting for this book to come out. This series. He's been dying for it. Century number three. Century is back. And he's better than ever. Um, <laughs> one of the things I've been saying, one of the things I've been saying about about one of the reasons why this book has been compelling is because they've made Sentry into a sympathetic character. Uh, Jeff Lemire has has basically turned the whole tale on its head and figured out a way to make Sentry instead of being like this poser. Uh, who busted into the Marvel Universe, actually makes him into uh, basically this guy who's being a superhero is a living hell. And so um, what we found out at the end of the first issue is that this device has been stolen that keeps the void busy in a pocket universe that the Sentry goes into every day uh, in order to keep the void at bay. This device has been stolen. In this issue, we find out who did it. We find out why they did it. We find out how they did it. Um, and now it's set up for the confrontation um, between the evil masterminds behind it and the Sentry. So, okay. um, and 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 the Void may end up being re-released into the Marvel universe. So, um, but it's a good story. It's a it's a story that really comes at you from places that you don't expect. Um, and because he kind of has a free reign, like they pretty much told Lemire, like, yeah, whatever you want. Like, we don't care. Just you know, do whatever. Uh, he's able to do some fun stuff with this and really play with the characters. And, uh, you know, like I said, turn everything on its head. So that's part of what makes it enjoyable. 
Nice. Okay, cool. I feel like I would enjoy Sentry more if they had set it up like the greatest American hero. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I mean, when you when you lie to everybody, like, I mean, that was Bendis, right? That was his big thing was he lied to everybody and said it was an old Jack Kirby character. And right. Or something. Came up with this fake history for him and everything. And yeah. And it's like if you if you want to tell me that that's the story that you're using, that's fine. But when you lie and actually say, oh, we found this hidden character and that turns out it's just a bunch of marketing. That's when. You know, that's one of the main reasons why people are going to hate him. But then you just basically made a, a blonde haired Superman and threw him in the Marvel Universe. And that wasn't really all that cool either. So, right. um, but like I said, now they've made him a compelling and sympathetic character. Interesting. Cool, cool. Well, then I will uh, breeze through mine really quick. Uh, Teen Titans number 21. Uh, the, this is basically training day for the team as they go after this one uh, villain called the, the well not the called Gizmo they take him down really easily but he left a little present for him that they have to deal with and um we see the team not necessarily getting along together but I guess they might be coming together who knows uh, there seems to be something up with uh, Kit Flash's powers somewhere in the midst of this and in true Teen Titans slash Titans fashion maybe possibly although I, I feel like this is not uh, this might be a swerve but one of the team may not be around for next issue but they don't I, I but I, I don't think that's the case because I don't know at the very least they would have taken two or three other more issues before they start killing titans off so I don't know if they would have done it after like two one issue but we'll see I don't know it's weird and they, it's definitely geared towards a. It's written like a towards a more younger set, which I don't know could be slightly off-putting given some of these characters. Uh, let's see, Avengers of Wakanda Forever number one. So this is the last of that trilogy of Wakanda Forever books, uh, uh, one shots rather. I guess it's not one shots; they're all together. Regardless, you know what I'm saying. Um, T'Challa had showed up at the end of the last issue. To talk down Nakia, which he ends up doing. Oh, Nakia, aka Malice. Uh, they end up going after the the um, the out of control mimic, whatever um, super adaptoid thing or that they're dealing with that the, the Dora had. Uh, the Avengers, or at the very least, Captain America and She Hulk join in the battle along with everybody else who's been who's been there, like the uh, Storm and the uh, Rogue and Nightcrawler, and then Spidey comes in at the end. And it kind of wraps it up all nicely and kind of neatly and also gives a could potentially touching into a character that has been the focal point of uh, these issues. So uh, there's also was a reference to the, in that uh, a reference to the priest run run, which this character actually, uh, you know, debuted in anyway. So take that for what it is. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. X number two. I'm actually still relatively liking this book. So Rogue and Gambit still out in space. They run into Deadpool who saves Rogue's life. I don't know how in the world he got out there, but it happened because he's, <laughs> you know, um, but I guess, it, uh, you know, he given their, he and Rogue's history, I guess it would make some kind of sense, but he's also a missionary and therefore he's out there getting the package that they're just supposed to be protecting from somebody or protecting or basically shuttling somewhere. We don't know because that's why they're out in the first place. Um, there's a little battle between uh, him and, you know, Rogan and Gambit. 
until uh, an old Excalibur vision, villain set of villains show up and they call a truce and uh, and end up uh, end up getting away from that, but also have Mark on the head because of whatever this package is is a highly prized thing and um, people are coming after him for it. So that's where we kind of leave that book. But it's been kind of fun. So I may stick with it a couple more issues. Uh, last book, X-Men Gold number 34. Um, after last issue, Aurora ends up seeing her parents again because Uvo, whatever his name is, um, presumably brought them back, which kind of put her, not put her off, but had her stunned for a second, but didn't keep her from investigating what was going on in the village that she was, uh, that where she was in or where she was from. Uh, she finds some stuff out. She confronts the villain. She tries to take him on uh, without Stormbreaker, Stormcaster, excuse me, which leaves her for some odd reason. I guess that's going to come back into to play in them because as, you know, as we found out last issue, the, the, her Thor hammer came back to her for like, a page or two and then left her after the, and then she didn't have it after, when this issue started. So that was kind of weird. But like I said, as we see in this issue, the, the, the hammer said, I'm out for some other reason. And she's stuck trying to handle this, uh, godlike being and a bunch of zombies running around the, the village. So, and some mandroids come out on the other side of that because Kitty and, and uh, Iyana are talking about what's going on with Kitty. And they just kind of threw that in there in the, in the midst of the story. So whether they played out with that again, we don't know. So yeah, that was that. And that is it for me. All right. So I guess it's time for Clicks of the Week. It is. And we already have Tim's, and that being Venom number five, as uh, PC underscore Dirt holds his up. Which is the aforementioned uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula hardcover. I'll put that up. There we go. There you go. All nice and shiny. Yeah, well, that's his. Um, page 70? Uh, mine is Punisher number one. Oh, yeah. By Matthew Rosenberg and Sidransky. It was good. I'm very disappointed, though, that uh, the Mike Zek recolored variant cover was like a huge incentive. And like Midtown Comics had it like supremely marked up. What was it a one in 100 or something? Something or, or something worse. <laughs> oh, geez. Something right. worse. So, you know, just kind of, it's, it's just expensive. So, that being said, you know, it's, uh, you know, it was a good book. Um, it's an interesting premise that, you know, that, that, uh, the Punisher is trying to, uh, become, um, trying to swim into, uh, more shark infested waters as, as the case may be, maybe hunting bigger game, you know, that's sort of the, the, the analogy. So. All right. Yeah. Okay. So I'm looking at the, uh, Zek hidden gem variant and it is one in 100. Mm-hmm. Oh. They also had a black and white version of it, which was a one in 500. <laughs> wow. So uh, how many, how many, how many stores do you think ordered 500 copies? Of yeah, I was about to say, that's a, that's a tall order. Seems like So there might be like two copies of that variant out there in the wild. Like, you know, maybe, uh, Midtown bought 500 to split amongst their stores and sell yeah, them online. Yeah. 
guy ordered 500 to get the variant and then did chuck we'll, we'll see the other ones at like five below in those three comics for sure. five dollar bags hmm. they sure. really thought highly of that book apparently but um that's crazy so anyway last but not least uh mine is probably no surprise at this point west coast avengers number one uh, <laughs> i had all kinds of types of uh, interpretation going into this book but it kind of paid off actually in in some ways also land shark <laughs> so you already had invite him one. in and give him Oreo cookies. <laughs> <laughs> so you already had me with that one. Oh my gosh! All righty. Okay, so I guess we're going to transition into the news. First, we're going to get an ad read in. And PCN underscore Dirt, are we bidding you a good night? Yes, it is twenty after, so I got to get running. But yeah. all righty, take it easy. Thanks for having me on, guys. I'll see you next week. Right, see you next week. All righty, so we're going to head into our first ad read of the night. First ad read is for uh, Blue Apron's meal delivery service. Blue Apron, fresh ingredients and incredible recipes delivered weekly to your door. Skip the grocery store and make incredible meals at home with Blue Apron. Always ship free to your home. And now the listeners of the Click Nation's Comic Book Chronicles can get $30 off your first Blue Apron order. To place your first order with $30 off. And to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcasts free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Blue Apron link and sign up for your first order. Blue Apron through cspn.us. Do it today. And now we head into the news. And like we do every week about this time, we start off with the cinematic news. Uh, You want to start off? Sure. Star Wars Resistance trailer shows off its anime style. So Star Wars' latest animated series, Rebels, recently ended its four-season run. But uh, fans have not had to wait for too long to get a tease of the details for the next show. So uh, Resistance is going to explore what happens before The Force Awakens as uh, General Leia Organa rallies the Rebels to oppose the First Order. And uh, we knew it was going to have an anime-inspired look. And after the trailer dropped, um, it shows off a red cell shaded look and fun, kid-friendly adventure. I mean, yeah, it's it's gotten a little bit of flack for that style, but I mean, I think it looks good, and I'm pretty sure actual fans are, you know, there are people who just want to grouse, grouse, grouse about anything, but, you know, are going to have some problems with it. But nevertheless, um, I don't know. I think it looks good. I'm looking forward to it. It's, same, it's pretty much the same team behind uh, Rebels and Clone Wars, so it's definitely going to be, you know, it's going to have some good stories behind it. Uh, and I guess it's worth noticing that uh, you know Poe Dameron's gonna looks like it's gonna pop up, and so will Captain Phasma, and they're as the, the actual forces. Okay, so cool. Um, Ducktales finally debuts Donald's twin sister Della Duck. You know the duck that birthed the uh, the three kids we know as Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Her, that long missing character that we never knew that people were like, what in the world? <laughs> like, where did these kids come from? Whose kids are these? Yeah. So it is worth noting to this article doesn't say that here. Or at least I don't think it does. 
But yeah, so, well, it does say that DuckTales canon that, you know, Donald and, Donald and Della were Scrooge's partners in crime, which if you've read the recent uh, DuckTales book, a comic book, all ages comic book, you will have seen that in the first couple of issues because, and that's brought the only other place outside of when she originally came about, which was back in the thirties or at least mentioned back in the thirties. Mm-hmm. Um, according to this article, but she's never been seen or heard of uh, again until this, the recent comic and this. So there you go. And if you've been watching DuckTales, you, I've heard pretty good things, but I've seen a couple of episodes. It's pretty good. So go check it out. All righty. Um, recently published is a guide to watching every Marvel movie and TV show in the perfect order. So uh, <laughs> follow our show notes and click on this link and you'll find this uh, story that shows you how to watch all this stuff in order. Yeah, it's kind of ridiculously long, but at the same time, you know, some, there are some people who would do this. Listen, it accounts for everything that's there. So far. Up until... Yeah, actually, I think it does. Yeah, up until... According to this, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Nice. So, there you go. Uh, the official Black Panther remix soundtrack somehow improves upon reflection. So there is a remix album to the Black Panther soundtrack. I have not yet heard it, but I'm no. according to this article, it's pretty good. <laughs> nice. Uh, let's see. The... Um, it features stuff from the uh, from what is his name Gorenson, who did the actual soundtrack. Oh, he remakes uh, a couple of tracks off the off of the original soundtrack, and also work by DJ Doll, Wonder Girl, uh, Ami Cora, and more. And there's a video to the to the cut uh, Wakanda that is embedded in this. Actually, there's a couple of them. So go check it out. And is it on Spotify? Oh, you can, yes, it is on Spotify and you can purchase it or you can go to Marvel's Vivo channel and check out the tracks. Alrighty, next up, uh, the Black Panther movie team wants a Best Picture nomination at, uh, from the Academy Awards, not a popular Oscar. So despite the fact that the Academy Awards has added a stupid new category that's, uh, that honors a popular film, Marvel Studios is gunning for Black Panther to earn a Best Picture nomination. As it should. So, as it should. Uh, Ryan Coogler's Black Panther be- uh, became a full-on pop culture phenomenon and became extremely popular and was well-received. So uh, Marvel and Disney uh, would not be happy with just a Best Popular Film nomination. Uh, they would much rather have the traditional uh, Best Picture nomination. Yeah, because they're the only reason why they made that award is to kind of try to placate people who think there should be a reward, but that's not the way to do it. Like, you've got 80 years worth of, you know, uh, categories here, and superhero movies have never, uh, I believe, not, well, may have gotten a nod once or twice, but have never won. Mm -hmm. So, and this is Hollywood's way of being Hollywood still. No, because they just want to, you know, they just want to, you know, let let these uh, superhero movies have their own category. Um, you know, this, is why, this is why the uh, animated films got their own category. Uh, I said so that's. I think that's still different, though, because I feel like they're putting this. Like I think rich, crazy uh, Asians would probably have the same same issue, and would be in the same category if this was was, was the fly. Is 
this is my personal thinking. Like it's basically to placate and not and not actually do what they should be doing because look, most of those moves are probably I haven't seen uh, with crazy Asians yet, so I don't know. But still, I've heard the buzz about it. It's probably actually as good as people saying that they are. They right. deserve the actual but, nods but, in the but, actual but categories that that they already have instead of trying to make one to kind of ah, we don't want to put this over here. But. Right. But ultimately, it is very much like the animated movie uh, category because. Uh, if you recall, they put Beauty and the Beast, they, they nominated Beauty and the Beast. They're like, well, that could have been, you know, I'm talking, referring specifically to the animated sure. version. And once that, you know, kind of invaded its way into the best pictures uh, talk, they're like, well, let's give the animated movies their own category. Let them live over there. Mm, I mean, I, I, I agree, but I kind of disagree on that one. Because, like, I can see why there was a separation for the animated stuff. Let's put it that way. Only on a technical level, right? Kind of. I gotcha. So, um, moving right along. This is our star, Ron Cephas Jones, set for Venom. So, y'all, Bobby Fish is going to be in Venom. Huh. Um, yeah, let your, let your brains wrap behind, beyond that. <laughs> I didn't think he's playing Bobby Fish. So, yeah, so uh, Ron Cephas Jones, also in This Is Us, also plays, like I said, Bobby Fish in Luke Cage, um, the Netflix shows. I was about to say, he was also on. Um, he's been on a lot of stuff. Oh, he was on a Netflix show. I can't remember. It's it's, it's escaping me. Right oh now. yeah, 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 and yeah. I don't know. So I, I and I feel bad because I thought he had just passed. I don't know why, and I'm glad that's not the case because that's. You're thinking of um. Oh man, I know what the actor is on the tip of my tongue. You know what I'm talking about though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there was somebody that, that yeah. But anyway, well, while we figure that out, so yeah, good, good, good on on dude. He's a pretty good actor. He's he's that man's all right. Like all right. So uh, the Jessica Jones television creator and showrunner is leaving Marvel slash Netflix for Mar- for a Warner Brothers deal. Wait, 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 wait. Um, I think this is probably the best and most apropos sound effect. It's a trap. <laughs> oh, dang. I'm not sure. What, what, but OK. <laughs> it's a trap, lady. Get away from Warner Brothers. Uh. <laughs> You know it's what? That's, that's probably actually fair. Uh, yeah, I get you. <laughs> that is that is probably actually fair. So yeah, so uh, she will be leaving after season three, which apparently, hey, guess what? Season three is going to happen of Jessica Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish her luck with whatever she's into, but yeah, I, I would probably agree with what you're saying. Uh, Batman TV prequel Pennyworth reportedly filming this fall. Really. Yes. Oh, and actually, wait, is this... Nope, I don't think I have it in there. So, yeah, and they also started casting, uh, looking for the person who will play young Alfred, uh, Alfred, and I believe they got him, which I may not have put in the the show notes. Man, we are really digging deep here. Yeah. I mean, like, look, hey, Gotham's version of of Alfred is that would actually make for a pretty good show because you know especially you know with the cia background or not cia but his his you know my six black ops, yeah his black ops um background yeah he makes for a good you know character can check out because i think some people were probably saying that for especially for you know this particular alfred here actually i would say deserves it because hey, you know uh doctor who's son come on <laughs> um plays a pretty damn good alfred Anyway, so yeah, that's the thing. And like I said, you're talking it. about Gotham, right? We are talking about Gotham, but it, 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 it is not going to be him playing. <laughs> that Gotham is on TV. 
I mean, they're about to go off. To, yeah, they're 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 gonna their first season is it. So. Oh, Sean Pertwee. That's what that's his name. I keep forgetting his name. Sorry, sorry, Sean. Um, but yeah, that that's the thing, and it won't be him as the lead as it should be. And I think that I can't remember the dude's name that they actually are looking into or and or have already cast. And then, as you said, it doesn't matter. <laughs> oh. All right, is it my turn now? It is. Legends of Tomorrow stars address the DC series' push for diversity. They have to address it? Come on. I mean, they don't have to, but they want to. Hell, a mail comes out every other time somebody does something coming into the to the verse, so why not? Let's see. They share their experiences. The cast is sharing their experiences because now the four programs have introduced audiences to LGBTQ characters while defying stereotypical gender and minority roles. So, need to say, all of this came out of the wake for, from the backlash of uh, Ruby Rose getting, you know, yeah, I was getting say, Batwoman stuff, stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's why they probably had to do this, which is an important cause. So let us not undersell that. Um, CW announces Arrowverse crossover dates debuts the Batwoman signal, and I, I read that as like, wait, they're, they're putting a the singular in here also, but I don't think that's the case. No, they're gonna have. I know it's the actual Batwoman's own signal. Yes, but I thought of um, the signal. Oh, the character, the signal. Yeah, I'm like that'd be cool, but still. Uh, so yeah, the dates are. Uh, let's see, it's gonna begin on the Flash on December 9th, uh, Arrow on the 10th, and Supergirl on the on the 11th. Okay, so there you go. Just three nights because yeah, they have been consolidating those, and I still haven't seen the last. Last one. Anyhow. All right. Next up, um, the Daily Planet's best reporter is joining the next Arrowverse crossover. So uh, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's the Daily Planet's number one reporter who's been a pain in Cat Grant's behind for multiple years, uh, for multiple seasons of Supergirl, despite never actually appearing on screen until now. Hmm. So we all know who that is. It is not Clark Kent. Um, the Arrowverse crossover is going to introduce one Lois Lane. Yes. Yes, worth noting that her little, her, well, they ginned up a little sister for her. And Clark, and Clark has actually uh, showed her because the Superman, the guy they're playing Superman has, you know, obviously playing Clark also. Right. So they're going to have them uh, together on that. So, but we, yeah, instead of, so instead of being hush whispers, we're getting finally getting Lois, I guess. Interesting. Um, Brendan Fraser, Fraser is Robot Man on DC's Doom Patrol. So, okay, so if you're watching the video, I just want to say this. If you're looking at the, the video and you see this picture that they're showing of him, and I, I don't know where this is coming from, but he looks like Channing Tatum. Like, like <laughs> and probably should have been the one. Actually, I shouldn't say that. He was all right in that, uh, in the, um, Kingsman thing, but. I, I watched that actually, the second yeah. Kingsman. Yeah, he straight up looks like uh, the uh, Chen K. Tatum's character in the uh, in Kingsman. So that was weird. But yeah, so he's going to be on the Doom Patrol series, which is um, I don't know too much about Rob, Robot Man. So I've seen people say that hey, it's perfect casting, but people somebody's always going to say that. Oh. I mean, you know, I, I only have a very tangential understanding of the importance of the Doom Patrol, right? Because they. Uh, they play a role in the formation of the uh, uh, of the the rebooted New Teen Titans. So because of Beast Boy, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, that's the thing. Next, next up, Hans Zimmer is set to score 
Wonder Woman 1984. Is this like Godzilla 1984? I know. But anyway, let's hope not. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what I have to say to that? I, I actually had that sound effect also. That's pretty good. Um, I suppose, wait, have you been raiding my, my PC, dude? What are you, what's going on? Oh, um, man. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, um, Hans Emma, who I, I could have sworn said he wasn't going to do too many more of these uh, superhero um, movies anymore, but he's also was going to get his money anyway because he did the, the theme for Wonder Woman. Um, he, he did, you know, her theme, actually. So I'm pretty sure that was going to come up in the movie regardless of whether he was doing the whole thing or not. But he's doing the score, and there you go, and no Miami Vice to to um, to uh, a matter of mo- No Miami Vice theme has been heard yet in any of the ah. movies. Um, enter a mar- more phenomenal new era of Power Rangers with the first trailer for Beast Morphers. If you're watching the video, just point out that none of those vehicles, maybe with exception of one, looked so much like a beast. We're going to move past that because it's Power Rangers. So there's going to be a new Power Rangers show. Uh, this one being the first under Hasbro. I'm like, shout out to William Bruce West. Right. Yep. Um, we may have some other news on that front also, but he may have already known about this. So, yeah. Um, that's going to be a thing. It's going to start. It's going to be on Nickelodeon in 2019. The hey, Power Rangers don't stop, y'all. All righty. Next up, uh, Anthony Michael Hall heads back to high school as Riverdale's principal. So uh, Anthony Michael Hall is joining the cast of Riverdale for a flashback episode called, appropriately enough, The Midnight Club, as opposed to The Breakfast Club. Club. Yes. So Anthony, Anthony Michael Hall may be a little slim to be playing Mr. Weatherby, but that's never stopped him before. (laughs) All but right. nevertheless, nevertheless, Mr. Weatherby is here, which I, I guess he hasn't been seen in her. I don't know how many seasons has been out already. So there was also another story about uh, the, the girl who plays Josie teased uh, getting her red, her traditional red hair, or a version of. So that's the thing. I just didn't put it in the lineup. Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer's Allison Hannigan weighs in on reboots. Uh, she basically says that yeah, you know, she heard about the 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 the, the, the Buffy reboot. She said it might be a good thing, you know. You know Hannigan playing the titular character of Willow in said original, you know. Okay. If you did not know that already, I don't know if you have. I don't, where have you been? All righty. So, what's next? I'll tell you what's next, President Bartlett. Lock and key drama from Carlton Cuse and Joe Hill is getting a series order at Netflix. And uh, Aaron, Eli Collette, and Meredith Averill join as executive producers. So it's official. Four months after Hulu opted to not go forward with its lock and key pilot, the project is going to be uh, uh, picked up for 10 episodes at Netflix. You got to wonder why Hulu didn't pick it up. But at the same time, I've not read the book, so I'm sure someone's happy about it. Um, HBO officially orders Regina King-led Watchmen series. So, yay, Regina King. Is that Brenda from 227? That is Brenda from 227. Also, um, Huey and Riley from the Boondocks. There you go. So, yeah. And amongst other things, I should say, because, yeah, she's been in a lot. But, yeah, so, yeah, this is still a thing. We still don't know what is it. We know it's not going to be 
canonical stuff. It's some kind of offshoot. But hey, like I said, good for Regina King. She's dope. Um, now we are going on to comic book news, of which there are a lot. Over series okay. Alone. So, Marvel Knights revamp revealed to be six issue series, which I did not know. Like, do we know whether it was going to be? Well, I guess we assumed that it was going to be a series of uh, ongoings because it was a line back in the nineties. Mm-hmm. So, but I like this focus. I like this focus on a smaller series as opposed to like you know multiple ongoings. Yes. Yeah, because and half of the people in this. Are already have books out, and that, which means they would if they were going to do that. Well, that doesn't mean they would have, but they would either re, you know, either stuck the Marvel Knights tag on the the current books they do, which they could do, or do new number ones with under the Marvel Knights banner, make you know, like they did back in the day. So, right. cool. So uh, related to uh, Marvel Knights number one, mm-hmm. it turns out that spoiler alert. Uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> Where are you, Spoiler Bell? Matt Murdock has apparently forgotten about Daredevil in Marvel Knights number one. Hmm. Guess it doesn't matter that you're Daredevil. (laughs) Oh, we should go ahead and point out, by the way, that this November solicits for 2018 are out, and that's where we're getting some of this stuff from, as well as the folks as the places parsing this stuff. And make sure you go through those solicitations so that you can uh, inform your comic book store about what you plan on ordering so that they can, in turn, formulate their orders and yes. it, and are able to get you what you need and not be short. Exactly. Which And we were talking about that with a book that's coming up down the line in the, in the news. That said, uh, Daredevil and the Misty Knight, year one on one. So in this year's, uh, excuse me, in, well, yeah, this year's Daredevil annual number one. Uh, which is coming out August 29th, Daredevil, Daredevil and Misty Knight meet back in the day. Don't know why, but it's happening. So, cool. Okay. Well, so, we actually, we probably kind of no, no, think thanks, Netflix. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Next up, Marvel is unleashing Thanos' Black Order in a new series. Shout out to our own very own Tim, uh, Tim Dog 98 Frightness. So yeah, the Thanos got his. The Black Order is gonna get is gonna get theirs. And if you're watching the video, you can see the uh, cover for the first one. Uh, it's written by who the first? Uh, Derek Landy and Philip Tan doing the art. Nice. Marvel is bringing back your childhood again in Iceman number three. So, Spider Friends, go for it! And I wish I had that uh, queued up. But I yeah, didn't. I was about to say, I wish I did too. I was just thinking that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so um, Firestar and Spider Man are both going to be in November's Iceman number three. Uh, it says here the reunion comes about after a blind date goes sour with the appearance of uh, Mr. Sinister. Uh, it is worth noting also that this is the second time in four years that uh, the Spider Friends have re- reunioned. That's not how that word goes, but you know what I'm saying. And <laughs> I posited on Twitter that they should just go ahead and make a, a ongoing of these characters. I would write it if you wanted me to, even though I don't know what I'm doing. Just saying. 
And I feel like this line, because I think I, when I first read this, they didn't have this about, you know, about the last uh, time that they were together, that being uh, Amazing X-Men number seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm glad they finally put that in there. If they didn't know if it was already in there and I just missed it regardless because I was going to bring that up. I'm like, well, wait a minute. So nobody's nobody's thinking about that one, huh? Anyway, next up. Next up. Uh, Chicago's e-viewing will pen Marvel's Ironheart. So I am very glad, very glad that you put this blurb in here because oh, yeah, I'm going to miss this. I'm going to be honest. I thought e-viewing was one, Al Ewing's sister. I did too. Two, or wife. Al Ewing's wife. Yeah. I thought three, Al Ewing's daughter. Four, <laughs> Patrick Ewing's wife and or daughter. Oh, no. <laughs> so... When wow. I read this, so 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 here's the deal. <laughs> That's wrong, but hey, I get so you. so fangirling over Eve L. Ewing is a new pastime. If you're an African American female writing in Chicago, Ewing, this version of Ewing is an academic, <laughs> a social media maven, a poet, and a playwright. And now she's adding Marvel writer to her resume. So she is writing the upcoming Marvel series Ironheart. Ooh. Thank you for those blurbs because. I for damn sure thought this was Al Ewing's wife. <laughs> you know, because which which, 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 which on the surface sounds, you know what I mean? Like there's right. like a whole bunch of like you know husband and wife combinations right. in, uh, in 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 comic books. Walt and Louise Simonson. Well, yeah, yeah, but at the same time, it's like you can't just you shouldn't just assume. But at the same time, I was right there with you on yeah. like wait is she like wait is she some Ken Dow? You what's what's going on that you know? But and it wouldn't matter because regardless. We get no Iron Heart is getting a book is sure. getting written by a, a, a woman of color, a black woman of color at that, and that's the more awesome thing. It's the I, rarity of the, it's the rarity of the name. I think that gets us. Yes, off. yes. You know, well, hey, at least you didn't say J.R. Ewing, but that's a whole other thing. <laughs> um, oh, which no. hey, um, people of a certain vintage will get that reference. Yeah. Anyway, um, that said, let's see, they don't show it here. So yeah, this was an article, um, mentioning that hey, we get a new Ironheart book and e-viewing is writing. And we also get a look at the cover, uh, which I'm not crazy about, but I don't, for, for some odd reason, I don't know, it looks weird, but, um, yeah, that's. That's just me. Regardless, I'm happy for this book, and I will be definitely going to order this book and put it on my list. Um, and you should too, because see, the problem with books like this is people are like, "Well, there's no sales," and no, no, because they don't get pushed, and mm-hmm. and people don't get let known about it, and or you got places where people wouldn't buy this in the first place, and or people don't know about it. So, and we could do to kind of let a book like this, you know, get out there to so that people will know it. I am happy to do. Remember to order it, people. Exactly. It, put it on your pull list. Yes, books like this, live or, die, live or die by that kind of thing. You can't just wait and say, well, I'll just wait till it gets trade or the first issue comes out. And by that time, you know, Marvel will have said, you know what? It's not going to work before the first issue even comes out. They've done that with other books before. Right. Uh, uh, most it's trade if that's what happens. Exactly. So, um, next up, Multiple Man. The new Jamie Madrox may end up being Uncanny X-Men's, the relaunch's main villain. So, yeah, this is basically, well, it's just more at this point, I guess, for last week's uh, Multiple Man, where uh, some things happened. I don't remember, we talked about it, I do know, but I don't remember we getting that far into it. And I was about to say, this is a spoiler for me. Because oh, so, you still haven't read it yet, huh? 
Yep. Oops. Well, hey, guess what? That's the thing. And now you know. Um, you should, I, I would still say it's probably worth reading because they don't necessarily say that's the case, but you can see how that how they could get to this. Mm-hmm. And and it definitely sets it up that that could be the case. Uh, next up, wait, did I skip one? Because I don't think I did. No. Okay. No, I felt like I double clicked. Marvel may have may have just shown us Infinity Warp's disgusting origin. We talked about this last week. Uh, we probably did we. Yeah, when we were talking about, how, remember I was talking about how, uh, oh uh, right, you know how how uh, particular characters get got, yes. and that's what the warps kind of come from. Right, right, right. Also, Tim wrote this. That's not the reason why. That was not specifically the reason why I wrote um, why I put this in. But I totally forgot we had uh, talked about it last week. So yep. there you go. It's all good. Uh, speaking of. Uh, Infinity Wars naturally leads to Infinity Warps, which is a two-shot. Um, yeah. Um, that's right, two-shot. I'm putting it in there. So this November, Superstar writers Ryan North, Jim Zub, Mariko, Mariko Tamaki, uh, and said Jim Zub already, bring their game to a whole new level along with the art, the art talents of Natasha Butos, uh, Francisco Herrera, and... Osgur Yildirim. Sorry for um, if I butchered your name. But how did a covert program of the Green Room create a gamma-powered Green Widow? What are the secrets of the siblings, Mr. Invisible and Hot Rocks, the Terrible Two? And can Moon Girl and Tippisaur save the planet from the most dangerous threat ever? You'll have to pick up and find out. If that doesn't tell you what this, these, this is going to be about, I don't know what is. Tippy sore. Tippy sore. Yes. Oh. Anyway, I mean, well, the whole yeah, the whole okay, warps thing on, is kind of crazy. Once it, once I heard tippy sore, I was like, all right, that's it. Oh wait, as opposed to the other warps ones, really? Yeah, I heard <laughs> tippy sore. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> so okay, uh, who is Marvel planning to kill in Uncanny X Men? Disassembled, also a uh, a, a, a Tim joint. All righty. So yeah, we'll Tim, Tim. Yeah, Tim basically goes to impostulates. You know who could be uh, getting got in the disassembled uh, uh, storyline that is coming up, which we talked about at length last week. So we won't need to go into that. All right. So uh, the uh, novel based on the movie Solo expands on L three three sevens upload into the Millennium Falcon. I have not yet watched Solo. When is this coming out on streaming? Um, probably in two months. Okay. I, I don't know for that for sure, actually, so don't quote me on that, but... We'll see. Yeah. Well, not streaming, but, me, you know, like, digital download. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it should be, like, two months, because the, the, the movie's been out for, like, a couple months already, so usually they've been hitting a four-month window. But, yeah, so, yeah, this article, I mean, this article, this novel is basically going to... And I guess it's kind of spoiled something into you for for you, but I think we I thought we'd already done that by now. So yeah, this basically gives a little bit more of a look as to what happens in between or after the after the fact that L three puts herself into the Millennium Falcon. So there you go. Plus, it's another um, Star Trek novel, and I'm sure people will be eating that up. Next. That That's me? That's me. Uh, Pop Funkos for Marvel's Runaways are on the way. So Alex, Gert, Nico, Carolina, uh, or Carolina, Chase, and Molly are getting the pop treatment. And I feel like Did you, you should watch go- Runaways yet? I have not. 
Nope. Um, I, I hear good things. I will check it out. But like I said, I'm, I'm going down the line and finish the stuff I hadn't done yet, which I'm sure by next this time next year I will have finished. I gotta try to watch Runaway soon. Yeah, okay. like I said, I'm hearing I'm hearing decent things about it, so I want I definitely want to check it out. Kind of want to get to go back and read it before I do, but that that's not required. Anywho, so a judge has issued a restraining order to protect Stan Lee. Yes, in our Stan Lee watch slash moment. Yeah, against the the restraining order is against Stanley's business manager. So, or at least once described as Stanley's business manager. So, yeah, that needs to um, stay in effect and uh, protect Stanley at all costs. Mm, I wish I could easily get one for someone that I know because I could totally oh, no. use one. Anywho, um, Variety reports that Kia Morgan, the forty two year old memorabilia collector, who in recent months has become Lee's gatekeeper is prohibited from contacting or coming near the legendary writer, which I guess he's the one that was that they say was putting getting Stan Lee's blood and putting him in the memorabilia or something. I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah, after all of that craziness. So, yeah, this is a thing. The Stanley Watch continues. Moving on. Um, hey, folks, uh, Black Panther, Mondo has brought out, or, well, basically, let me rewind that. There are Black Panther enamel pins for sale or for pre-order at Mondo, that site that does uh, posters and, and and all kind of musics and stuff like that. They have pins out. Um, somebody on this panel may have ordered all three already. I'm not going to say who that might be if that had, that happened. But there are uh, Eric Kilmunger has an enamel pin, Okoye, and Shuri. I don't know if there was already a T'Challa one, but regardless, it doesn't matter. They're out there. You can go to Mondo's pages. What you think? <laughs> Stop it. Um, <laughs> so you can go pick them up. For it's such the, a useful sound effect. It does at times. <laughs> um, so yeah, those are out there for pre-order. You can go check that out. Uh, if you have the show note links, which we should really put that in the the, the, the show thing from now on. I don't know why we have never done that. Uh, but yeah, you can go or look up Mondo and Black Panther enamel pins on the Googles, and you should be able to find it easily. Um, All righty. Next up. Um, so in important toy news, uh, there is going to be a Black Panther Shuri figurine. Is that the uh, the the twelve inch? I believe so. The Sacho, yes, it's the Sacho yeah. one. Yes, I believe it is. Yeah, so the Sideshow Collectibles is putting out a Shuri figure. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a new Dune tabletop game for those Dune fans out there that love sand and worms. And the spice, which must flow. That's right. Um, so, yeah, there's a couple other things in the article real quick. So there's a, a Harley Quinn one. I think this is probably going to come up in some something else that I mentioned. Doomed one. Doom uh, one. And next story. Um... Power Rangers, please stop that. Power Rangers Heroes of the Grid brings your favorite show to tabletop life. So there is going to be a Power Rangers board game coming out. Um, it has been it was on Kickstarter and it was uh, done by Renegade Studio, Renegade Game Studio, excuse me. Uh, and it looks like it was back to 100%. So cool. Let's see, Power Morphicon, we had a chance to interview them about the thing. So, yeah, so it is coming out in 2019, and it's, you can, I guess, what is it? It's a two-to-five-player game, cooperative experience, uh, designed by uh, the person over at Star Wars Imperial Assault, and based by 
on artwork by from GoGo Power Rangers Dan Mora, uh, with the book, by the way. Uh, the game will test players with defending Angel Grove from Rita's forces, and players will encounter plenty of fan favorite villains and scenarios during the campaign. Uh, dear Hasbro, you could have helped out with this. And also, can we get the rules for the um, Power Rangers RPG out there? Thank you, Sifu Play. Okay. All right. Uh, so DC Collectibles announced that uh, some stuff is uh, coming out in April of 2019. Mm-hmm. There's a list of the stuff here on the show notes. Yeah, some some bombshell figurines, some other figurines, uh, Harley Quinn, black and white, uh, white. Oh wait, yeah, there's a Harley Quinn figure from um, from Batman, black and white. Some other stuff. And some just sleep for so good stuff, but it's not coming out until April next year, so you got some time to save up. Uh, Sean Murphy, speaking of uh, Sean Murphy, seemingly confirms Batman White Knight 2. So, if you don't know, Batman White Knight was the um, I guess it was an Elseworlds story that uh, just ended a few months back. I enjoyed it a lot, wherein the, the Batman was a menace and the Joker was the one, you know. Basically, taking basically uh, fighting against Batman on the side of good. Uh, I suggest you should go check that out if you're interested in a very pretty good Batman story. I, I owe this or and also for Joker. It, this is a. Um, I would like to see this animated personally, but you know, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But yeah, it looks like there's going to be another uh, run of Batman Night, White Knight. So I am curious as to what they're going to do with it because they kind of. Actually, I can see where they could go with it, but they kind of wrapped it up relatively neatly. But although they did leave a thread at the end that I'm, I, I they're probably going to explore. So, yeah. okay. All right. Uh, next up, mm-hmm. DC debuts a Supernatural Suicide Squad Black in November. So you know, if you got one, you know, one theme for your team, you're gonna have to diversify and try to cover all the bases. So I mean, you know, just like Justice League Dark, exactly. you have Suicide Squad Black. I was about to say, yeah, it works for Justice League, so why not Suicide Squad? Uh, I don't know. That's coming out November seventh, so it's a thing. Alrighty, uh, and, and yeah, just like Justice League Dark, the the um, the mystical side of the Suicide Squad, I guess, will be represented in that one. So yeah. DC's black label, Batman Damned, gets a stunning variant cover from Jim Lee. I don't know why I put that there, but nevertheless, as opposed to the variant corner, you can watch the, you can see the video, you can see the cover for it. Alrighty. Um, yes. uh, Jim Lee, speaking of Jim Lee, shared real rejection letters he's gotten from Marvel and DC in the past. So, mm-hmm. you know, God forbid he has to learn how to draw hands at some point. <laughs> I know poor guy never caught a break. I don't know what he's doing with himself right now. Just, no. just, I'm hoping he's doing all right, though. But, um, yeah, so that's the thing. I think I guess he did it on Twitter, and yeah, you can see him out there if you follow him or if you probably already has. Uh, Bendis responds to criticism over action, you know, action characters' derogatory use of autism. So apparently in the book we talked about earlier, Action Comics 1002, um, uh, he used the word autistic in a derogatory t- uh, way and he got called out on it by a fellow comic books person uh, on Twitter. 
and he responded to it and and I, it looks like he's going to get the word stricken from the, the next few uh, printings of and the trades of this issue okay so he basically said words are hard I'm sitting here like you're a writer you're a writer by trade dude come on anyway that is that some cool news, Batman and a new generation of Outsiders are coming to DC Comics. I like Batman and the Outsiders back in the day. There's some cool mm. Alan Davis artwork um, in that book, and there's a reason why I bring that up. <laughs> so, But yeah, it's pretty cool that they're reintroducing um, the Outsiders uh, uh, concept and uh, incorporating some of today's hottest characters. Right. The weirdest thing to me about this is I could have sworn that's, that's what they were doing with Detective. I haven't been reading it, so I don't know. But I'm also, I would check this out. These are the characters that don't necessarily fit into the Bat family. That's why. Right. But they are also in Detective, right? Because I know, like, Black Knight and Signal, I think all of these characters are, actually, aren't, aren't they? Or maybe that's where they're going to branch off. Maybe. Well, no, Black like lightning and signal are there. I don't know about Katana and this other person or, uh, and, um, uh, orphan, AKA Cassandra Kane. I think she might be there also. So I'm not sure either way. So you might be right about this. They're splitting off into this. And it's now, it should be worth noting that this is going to be a mini series. Hmm. Um, and we don't have a date for it yet. So just as, just as we know that it's a thing, uh, boom studios that closes the firefly big damn heroes box. So, um, there's going to be a new firefly number one in November. And with that, they are going to put a, I, it looks like a loot crate, but I don't want to say this like that because it's crazy, but basically a limited edition, uh, box set of said book with some science stuff and some other stuff with it. We don't need to go into to all of that. So if you're a Firefly fan, kind of like me, I don't know, even though I haven't read uh, many of the books or the comics, you might want to check this out, Matt Wang. Um, <laughs> just putting that out there. I don't know. Next. Uh, where are we now? Uh, the second boom one. Oh, oh, well, uh, oh. Returns. Yeah. Yeah, right. Boom Studios returns Colin Bunn to the Empty Man. So yeah, okay. I guess yeah. I don't know. I don't know anything about the the original run of this book if there was one. So yeah, Colin Bunn's got a new book. It sounds interesting if you like uh, horror type things, I guess. Uh, but yeah. So folks, um, David Walker, Chuck Brown, and Sanford Green's Bitterroot is now up for pre order. So go run. Don't walk to your um, local comic book shop. And pre-order this book if you want it to to uh, if you want to be around. Like, granted, it's on image, and you know I shouldn't even. I don't even want to make that caveat. Dude, just go do it. Um, so, if you did not know, this book is about a family of um, demon hunters from back in a specifically a black family of demon hunters from back in the nineteen twenties. Um, and it looks pretty good from from what they've said about it. And I'm looking forward to this. I need to go and and put my put my order in um i will also point out that there's a bunch of uh, there's a couple of uh i don't think i put it in here yeah a couple of um covers that have been also released around this time actually probably before it went on uh went on pre-order one by uh mike mignola and sanford greens on so you can check you can see that um if you're looking at the video 
So yeah, go check it out, folks. So now we should be rounding the corner to the next page, by the way. I got you. I'm up on it. All right. So I've got the next story, which is a Philly comic shop has been awarded $50,000 to open more doors. So um, Amalgam Comics and Coffee House, the brainchild of Philly resident Ariel Johnson, is spread out. Uh, uh, which one is it? Lightfield and, and Rumi. Um, but it's uh, been selected out of more than 4,500 applicants. So the Knight Foundation is Devin. I know, um, right? I thought about that too. Michael <laughs> Knight and, uh, and, and Bonnie and, and, and April, April and Bonnie. Yeah. <laughs> um, the <laughs> Oh, God. 18-month-old comic shop aims to open the world of comics to an amalgamation of audiences. So this grant will help the store reach even more people. So, Which is awesome. So she's been doing... I, hopefully, I get. I want to get up to Philly and, and uh, go check out the shop because she's been seems like she's been doing some, some dope things with her shop. So good on her. And um, hopefully, you know, we'll keep keep flossing, keep, keep uh, prospering. Uh, let's see. Next up, Kevin Smith clarifies his hit girl arc won't focus on Hollywood predators. Um, I think so. According to this article, it sounds like the arc he's saying is um, so he's writing the hit girl um, comic, I guess, or an arc of it. And I guess uh, Millar might have said something. Well, here we'll just we'll just say his uh, his uh, his quote. First off, despite what Mark Millar said, uh, my hit girl arc is not about uh, Hollywood predators. It is about the making of a hit girl movie. There are no jokes about the Me Too movement, obviously, or even references to real world horror stories. Your whole piece seems to be predicated. I guess he was talking to somebody on Twitter about this who kind of asked him about it. Um, who seem predicated on that thesis. So now that you have the correct information, perhaps you can adjust accordingly. Oh, it's his own Facebook. Okay. So so that is the thing. Next. Uh, J.G. Jones is taking a break from art due to health issues. That sucks. Mm. Do you know he's announced that he's taking an extended break from his work as a writer and artist due to progression of his cancer. Hold on. Myelofibrosis. Hold on. I need to find the boo. But God forbid, I need to re- redo my uh, Statler and Waldorf. Uh, I was about to say, it seems more like uh, an awe, but yeah, no, I'm just like booing cancer. Yeah, absolutely. Fuck cancer and boo. There you go. There you go. So yeah, um, according to this, is like yes, yeah, this a decision he said is due to his iffy health, and that is a lot easier than committing to a monthly book. Which you know, yeah, makes sense. You know, if you know your health kind of may or may not be on the decline, and stay at you know. Trying to take up something might not be the best thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, next up, so we wish him well and hopefully he gets better or something because, I mean, cancer is not an easy thing to beat. Uh, the Center for Disease Control's realistic new comic about swine flu and a state fair. So the CDC made a comic book, y'all. Uh, okay. Yes, it is called The Junior Disease Detectives Operation Outbreak. Uh, let's see. Du, 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 du. It's they have published it for free. It's free graphic novel, and uh, yeah. So it basically is set out uh, on California State Fair, and disease pops off, and some things happen. And, and I guess a set of uh, young folks get their Nancy Drew Hardy Boys 
uh, on and figure out what's going on. Um, yeah. Go check it out if you come across it, I guess. I don't know. Uh, next up. The Simpsons Quickie Mart opens a first permanent real-life location. So uh, in Myrtle Beach, yes, South I was, Carolina. I was going to say I am not going to go and check it. Check this out. <laughs> is, is it relatively convenient? Uh, it's like a couple hours away. I mean, I oh, no, that's not convenient at all. I mean, it's not that. Yeah, you could do it. It's not. You know, I mean, but every like, hey, the border is like two hours away in each direction. It doesn't really matter for who. So, um, but nevertheless, yeah, it's not. I don't have that kind of curiosity to go check this out. Oh, but if I ever get down to Myrtle Beach anytime soon, maybe. Don't push it. I mean, don't don't hold your breath out. There's a video on here that I guess goes through the market and what they're what they're offering. So, I'm really hoping there's not a an Apu. Um, yeah, that's the, the less said about that, the, the better. Because all I saw was like, okay, this is the this is the thing, and it's in South Carolina. I see some problems. Hmm. But it may not be. We'll, you know, some. I'm sure if anybody goes down there and wants to send them pictures, hey, go by all means send them. Um, Marvel will set up Captain Marvel's MCU debut in a prelude comic book, which at this point probably shouldn't be surprised because I think most movies have a, have had a <laughs> prelude comic at this point, right? Uh, so yes, it's also coming out of the solicits. Um, so according to the solicit text, this issue will spin out of the events of it in Avengers Infinity War, which I have, but never hadn't watched, rewatched again. Star and star Nick Fury and Murray Hill as they embark on the missions that will lead directly to the arrival on, wait, to the arrival on Captain Marvel. Oh, in the MCU, that sentence read kind of funny. So I read that and I'm like, okay, well, I'm assuming this is before they went pop, <laughs> and this is why. And this is why Fury had the uh, the beeper. Mm-hmm. So, which all uh, I have to say about that entire thing you just read and spoke mm-hmm. about is that you still haven't watched Infinity War. Now that you have it at home, uh, no, nah, because things have been happening. I've been having gotcha. to take care of other things. But yeah, I'm I, like, yo, really? Gotta, so, put the- uh, so, on a side note, I was I was doing some stuff this morning, and for some strange reason, I thought about it. But I ended up watching Pacific Rim Uprising for some dumb reason. Yikes! Yeah, yikes indeed. I mean, it wasn't a bad movie, but it wasn't. It could have been way better. Anyway, off topic. Um, next up, we kind of already talked about this. Yeah, the Punisher has apparently rid the Marvel universe of a major Marvel villain. So. Yeah. Uh, we talked about it before. Yeah, we're, we're good. And this next one we kind of sort of brought up, but we didn't go into it. But all I will say, World, is that um, West Coast Avengers introduces a sexy Modoc. His name is Brodoc. Yikes. You know, you should check that issue out. Not I plan for, on it, just not for, for that. The, yeah, I'm uh, say, not necessarily for that, but it, that's just a funny thing that ends up happening in the book. Yep. All, all right. right. Yep. Next up. Uh, uh, Savage World Thundercats this October. Oh, so this is a line apparently from Funko of um, action figures. Says welcome to I don't know if this is like a line. I guess this is or clearly this is a line. But um, so, so you see here you have figures not in the Funko Pop traditional style from yeah. I was about uh, to say that's like the He Man style. Yeah. Uh, so you got Lino, Mumra, Slive, Panthro, and it looks like they're the other, or no, 
I was going to say some of the other uh, Thundercats are also represented, but now it looks like that's this is it. And this is going to be out on in October. It's, I'm not sure how big these are. These don't look that terribly big, but you can't really tell by the thing. Like they're, they're probably bigger than Funko size also, but we don't know. They could be standard uh, action figure size. Anyway, as a thing, if you're a Thundercats fan, hey, there you go. You got some stuff. Waiting for the Chitara one. Um... Exclusive behind the scenes video reveals the making of Shide's show's DC animated, DC Comics animated series collection. So, yeah, there's, they're coming out with a bunch of, um, statues from Batman animated series, Superman animated series, uh, Wonder Woman, and I, I'm assuming Justice League also, all in that style. So, and obviously, you know, the stuff looks good, if you can see from the pictures here. So. And I'm pretty sure they'll probably be priced. And I'm not sure. Yeah, there's, there's no word on when they're going to come out or the price on them. But you might want to check out that video just to see what they what they got going on. Because there's more than this that's this, just pictured here. All right. All righty. Uh, and, and I guess, well... The end of the news, right? Well, yes. But I wanted to bring up one more thing in that... Um, and from the variant cover in that... Heroes in Crisis variants recount DC's uh, misdeeds. So there's a, like a death of super uh, death of man one. There's apparently Harley Quinn killed uh, Booster Gold or something. I don't know, but yeah, you can see the death of Superman cover. Uh, there's a Batman uh, and Bane one where he broke. <laughs> apparently, somebody was taking shots right as he was doing it, right above him. Okay. So yeah, go figure on that one. And I guess there's a couple of other ones. But yeah, this is, I don't know what this hero. Well, I, I guess this is going to be addressed in, in the said um, uh, event. So, just wanted to put that out there. Uh, that said, we are at the end of the news, and therefore rounding about the end of the show. Uh, I do have, unless you have something, also, um, I have a little show and tell. I have a little bit of show and tell. Go for uh, it. Um, I'm trying to think of the best places to to showcase what I got. Um, when I unfortunately put some of the, the, the superhero T-shirts that I picked up, kind of uh, redoing some of my superhero T-shirt collection at uh, Connecticut's Terrificon, which is what I visited last weekend. It's uh, way out in Uncasville, Connecticut at the Mohegan Sun Casino. It is not that convenient to get to from New York City. Um, it's a bit of a drive. It's a bit of a backwoods drive. I'm not a fan of the backwoods driving. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but um, I did see some old favorites like Chris Giarusso, um, uh, Mighty Marvels, Mini Marvels, and uh, he did the, this great homage to the Secret Wars cover oh, nice. in Marvel's um, style oh, that I'm going to be framing okay. next to the uh, classic Mike Zek cover. Um the big draw for me at this show was uh, Alan Davis, and I got Alan Davis to sign um, a couple of issues of Uncanny X Men that he did, and um, uh, what you call it, and uh, uh, a page in the Heroes nine eleven tribute book that uh, that he a piece that he did in that. So I got that signed, and that was the big draw because he's a British artist and he just does not come stateside very often. He's not a fan of conventions. So I got that signed. Um, the one person I kind of missed out on was Nick Spencer. He had some family thing to do. So he had to leave early on Saturday. Um, that kind of stunk, but I did get to see most everybody else. I saw Mike Zek. 
I saw, um, you know, just uh, you know, just a few people that I really wanted to see. Right. Uh oh. Uh, Matt Wayne's on Twitter saying, uh, "Where was where was Wayne's invite?" <laughs> you know, he's oh, like, sh- Wayne loves going to shows with you. <laughs> yeah, sorry, says, man. Yeah. I had to drive to I had to drive up to my sister's first, so that's gotcha. why I, did, I wasn't coming straight from an app, from uh, the city. If gotcha. that was the case, I probably would have called you and, and uh, invited you along. Yeah, so he also said he loves Firefly, which I knew and couldn't can't wait to read Boom Studios' new book. So, kind of figure. All right, so before we end the show, I have an unboxing sort of sorts because here's the box I got. That's kind of too long to put in the show, but um. Sorry about the noise. So, Tendigo Comic Con came and went, and Hasbro sometimes, uh, well, now you know sometimes, they will put some of their exclusive stuff on sale after the show. Last year, there was this uh, one Optimus Prime transform that I never did get, because, and I really wanted that one because it was cool. This time, and I think they must do Primes, obviously, because that would be the bigger draw to some folks, but... There were two Transformers focus ones. Actually, well, technically three if you count the card game, which we've already talked about. But so those were on sale. Some Magic the Gathering cards were on sale in a couple of. I, oh, and that a Red Skull uh, and um, Cosmic Cube that you showed last week was also, was also right. on sale. Uh, as much as some, they're nerfed. Well, that's a whole different thing. I'm not going to talk about the laser thing. Anyway, to believe it is too much. I am going to show off the fact that I actually, oops, stayed up. Um. On the 13th when they when they put them on sale and actually finally got both of the transformers that they put on sale. So here is the the Bumblebee one, which is the um, which is the Corvette, mm-hmm. the 70s Corvette. It also comes with two tapes. And yes, the as in it's a Camaro. A Camaro, excuse me. Yes, I don't. Well, you know, it's a car, whatever. Um, <laughs> I'm going to let that one slide. Yeah, I mean, hey. Go on. Riley Cat knows not much about cars except for how to drive them. Um, So, yeah. So, there is that one. As you can see, it's got a cassette tape motif, and there's actually a couple of them uh, of figures that I don't know too much about. Actually, it's kind of funny, because there's a... I guess there was a mixtape... Uh, listing on the back to, to kind of kind of round out the whole motif. I don't know if there's anything like that actually on there. And as you would um, think, it is 80s inspired and Bumblebee focused. So yeah, it's called the retro rock uh, guitar version. Anyway, that is that. Uh, excuse me. This is Jesus. This is my first time actually opening this up. By the way, I was deciding even though I had this for a couple of days. Um. Last one is this big honking piece of uh, goodness called The Power of the Primes. It's Optimus Primal from Beast Wars. Uh, So that's, you know, this is, I like this thing. So it it comes with a couple of, um, well, it comes with this scepter here and everything you see here. And also has a couple of figures. Oops. Other figures. Oh, actually, wait a minute. It says collect all the Prime Masters, each sold separately. But I think it comes with two of them. So, yeah, so it comes with two little figures, almost like head, Headmasters type figures. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, they go somewhere. I'm not sure where they go. But, yeah, so I've Optimus Primal. I love this thing. I hopefully will put this up some point. 
somewhere when I have space. Um, if you did not know, Optimus Primal, you know, was whose beast mode was a gorilla, but then turned into a jet later on in seasons for some inexplicable reasons. But still goodness, and it's a big figure as you can see here, and that's mm-hmm. that. And that is that, and we are near the end of the show. We have a, yeah. another ad before we. Go. I was about to say that there's one thing I wanted to to to, to add. Okay. I did pick up some prints while I was at uh, at the show, and there was one cool thing that I did see um, when I went to see Chris Priest and Don and Don McGregor at Terrificon. So they had this kind of cool poster mm-hmm. from the Black Panther movie, and they each signed it um, to me, uh, Chris Priest and Don McGregor, and I had a great chat with both of them. They were basically sitting like a like not barely two tables away from each other. And uh, you could see the signatures there. And, uh, you know, they talked about what they thought of the, uh, the depictions of their uh, creations on the, on the big screen. So that was uh, pretty cool. Okay. Nice. So um, make sure to, uh, you know, make sure that you uh, go see them if they are at a con near you. Nice. Um, Matt said my camera wasn't working out. It, seemed like it is or it was i don't know i know yours kind of looks like it went out for a second or something happened but i don't know i don't know what happened but regardless think, if you didn't was that i said i think we're back yeah um so i don't know what happened with that but if you i will probably put pictures up on instagram of both of those figures if you did not get a chance to see them on the on the show but um let's go ahead and ad read this so we can get up last ad read for the night is for wink your personalized wine club Wink is a world of wine delivered right to your door. From Rosé to Cabernet, Toronté, Wink has over 100 styles of wine to discover. Ever try an orange wine? Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your tastes and delivered directly to your door. Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member, and you can skip or cancel anytime. And now, the listeners of the Click Nation's Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. To place your first order with $20 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash wink. That's cspn.us forward slash w-i-n-c. Wink Wines through cspn.us. Do it today. Oh, he said my camera didn't show the transformer. So here, I will do this real quick then. Um, but like I said, I'm, it's, this stuff is going to be up on, on Instagram anyway, so it doesn't matter. So here's the Bumble. Uh, okay, now it's trying to focus. So here's the, the casing of the Bumblebee one. Is what it looks like on the inside. Uh, it may not play because of lighting. There we go. That's a little bit better. And here is the prime one. I might have had actually the camera set on you when it, when it was. Oh, maybe that's what it was. Yeah, I don't know, but I know you went out for a second. And here's the prime one. Uh, nice. And there's the back, and there's the side, which apparently you can collect the um, collect the little headmaster looking figures. So yeah, there is that. And with that, folks, we come. Sorry about that. We come to the end of another exciting show. We thank you, each and every one of you, for coming out. Um, 
and we will invite you to, to come back to check us out next week the same time same channel well at least at nine ish o'clock you know when we come to do this little thing of ours anyway um for that i am going to say that agent underscore 70 on twitter and instagram uh, PCN underscore dirt on Twitter, pop culture net on Twitter, and popculturenetwork.com and I need comics.com. Uh, Tim DOGG98 on Twitter, the K, the Click Nation, that's D K L I Q N A T I O N, and uh, the Click Nation.com, also CB Cron on Twitter. And go check him out on CBR because he's out there doing, doing some good works, getting the news out there for you folks. So go check them out. Give them some views. And myself, Rydacat on Twitter. No underscore. I'm, I'm, I'm not like the rest of these cats with their, their, their fancy underscores. Um, news there is need on Twitter. Uh, CB Caps on Instagram. And you can check out my Reddit News there is need if you so desire. You can find us here podcast on the, on the coast of the podcast network. That's CESPN.us. You can also find us on Google Play and Apple Podcasts, um, aka iTunes and SoundCloud, and probably other podcast virtual places. I don't think we made it to Spotify yet. And shop.cspn.us merch, folks, for this show and other shows on the CSPN network. Go check that out and get some stuff and rep us. And with that, we come to the end of the show. Finally. We will be back next week because I'm pretty sure movie protocol is is uh, nowhere in sight until Novemberish or something. After a while, I don't yeah, think. Yeah, we got it. We got a good while. I mean, unless somebody goes to see that transform. I mean, Transformers the movie again in September, but you know. Um. So yeah, thank you guys for coming to check us out. Let us know how you how you like us. We are the Comic Book Chronicles, and we are out. Hey. Good